Listener Production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. If you're new to this podcast, you haven't heard us before, we break down an international dilemma, something that is going on in the world into layman's terms so you can easily understand the man that does that is the master, Dr. Keith Souter. He has, you know, he's just so much knowledge, background knowledge, decades and decades of background knowledge, not to make you sound too old, Keith, or anything. (laughs) But you do have a lot of knowledge on international relations. You've got three PhDs on the subject matter. Um, and you've also been a commentator across Australian media for many decades as well on this particular on these issues. Anything you can throw anything at the man, and he understands. You could ask him about the history of Iran; he'll he'll bring it to you. The history of politics in the Middle East, Africa; he knows this stuff. So today we're talking about something. It's quite actually interesting because it's a new servant class that is emerging in the world. We think we're you know surging forward, but no, there's there's a demand for servants, Keith. Yes. And willing recipients, willing partakers, by the way. That's right. And, you know, I'm just so sorry that uh, the people, my forebears on my mother's side are no longer around because they work at Windsor Castle on the Royal Estate. They would feel at home with this uh, new era. (laughs) Derek Thompson, who's a writer at The Atlantic in the United States, has produced an article called The New Servant Class. Wealth work is one of America's fastest growing industries. So wealth work reflects on the fact that you've got at one end of the spectrum really very high amount of money coming out of the financial sector, etc. What uh, Derek Thompson has done is to look at the people who are on low skill, low pay, and disproportionately it's work that's done by women. And so this is, the, as you say, as he says, it's the new servant class. And it's a new class of urban Servant. So you don't get it so much in the, the rural sector. So the author talks about, for example, the full-time retail and service jobs at places like nail salons and spas. So he says in the American context, you're talking about people with $30,000 incomes that are often employed in high-wealth metro areas or resort economies. Because they can't afford to live near their place of work, they endure long commutes from lower-cost neighbourhoods. If you think back to what's going on in Australia, by the way, in a very expensive area, you will see um, a a workman's cottage being advertised. Now, in the old days, in our uh, more affluent suburbs here in Sydney, you would have people who lived in the big house, but you'd need someone who would come in in the morning to get the fire going, wake up the rest of the house, etc. So they lived in an adjoining little workman, what was called a workman's cottage. That's where the servants were living. They weren't living in the big house. They were living nearby. And it intrigues me when I go around now to these very affluent suburbs and you see these grand houses, most of whom that are now apartment blocks, by the way, broken down into apartments rather than big mansions. And then you see these little workman cottages, which are going at a very high price, But those homes were traditionally used by the servants who would have worked in the big houses nearby. That era has gone. And so what happens is that the people who are working in nail salons and the spas, the fitness trainers, the skin care specialists, etc., they can't afford to live in the neighbourhood, so they have to travel long distances. So one aspect of this new world of work 
consists of people who are low paid, who live in low cost neighbourhoods uh, and have to travel long distances and are often dealing with unscrupulous employers. Here in Australia, of course, we've had examples of people being underpaid as well in big companies. So that's one category. So these are full-time retail and service jobs. There's a second category now emerging, which are people who are contracted through online marketplaces for driving, delivery, and other on-demand services. So these are your Uber people, Uber Foods, Uber Cars, Fooderoo. So these, and they're often people on bicycles, mm-hmm. except for Uber drivers. So you see them on the bicycles clogging up the pavements. <laughs> <laughs> Being a Sound traffic like hazard. Sound like old man. Exactly, absolutely. <laughs> now, the article argues, optimistically, these jobs offer autonomy for workers and convenience for consumers, many of whom aren't wealthy. So in other words, you're sitting at home, you want something to eat, you call up one of these uh, drivers or cyclists who will get something from McDonald's for you, for example. So these are people who are just working on demand, but it may well be it's not a particularly high level of income that you're getting as a result of this piecework, and it's not guaranteed. So sure, you're, you're looking after your household with McDonald's, but then you might have to wait for a while before you get another job. So it's it's very different. So you've got two types of work. You've got those that are full-time but low-paid in the service sector. And the second one, also in the service sector, is much more flexible. Now, the optimistic one is to say it's flexible. The more pessimistic way is to say you have no continuity. How can you go get a mortgage from a bank? Because they don't see you as earning a standard amount of income from one week to the next. But this has always been the way with casual work. Why is it now such an issue, Keith? Because it's becoming a bigger issue. Uh, you've got what's called the casualization of the workforce. So you've got people who are now going for or being forced into these low-cost service jobs and low-pay service jobs because there's no other work. So if you, for me, it's ironical in Australia, we have a shortage of plumbers and tradespeople but we have, we have trained a generation of young people to go to university. So they're graduating from university, but there are no jobs for them. They would be much better off going to a technical college and learning how to be a plumber or an electrician. That's where you can make the money. But it doesn't have that same sort of snob appeal, going in as an apprentice, as distinct from being an undergraduate at university. And is it still that way, though? Because I feel like the tide's changed there, but maybe I'm wrong. I think, well, uh, well, I'm hoping you're right, but I fear you're wrong. I think that you've still got a lot of young people who are being pressured by their parents into becoming um, university graduates, but even though we're not generating the jobs for those people. Now, at, at, the, at the high end of the market, there will always be a need, at, well, until computers take over entirely, always be a need for us to have people who can value-add by virtue of their educational skill. So you'll always have that high-end demand. But you've got a lot of people who are now just getting degrees for the sake of getting degrees. They've got that on their resume forever, the fact they went to university, and they're not using it and going a different direction anyway. Exactly, because the jobs are just not there. This is what worries me. You've got writers like this guy writing for the New Atlantic identifying basically this new underclass which is emerging within the United States. And if we're not careful, we could emerge here. 
at the moment we have um, uh, minimum wage restrictions, et cetera, which, which is good, although it's interesting to note our unemployment benefit is lower than what you'd get in the United States. It's very interesting. We, we are one of the second meanest country in OECD when it comes to payment of unemployment benefits. And if, you're gonna, if you've got, on average, six people applying for each job, as I say, you've got other jobs that people can't fill, such as you talk to a group of plumbers, they will always say we're looking for plumbers. If only we could get these people unemployed to, to change their aspirations and agree to be a plumber or a carpenter or an electrician. You're listening to Global Truths with Dr. Keith Suda. We're talking about uh, a new underclass, a servant's class, if you will. That's what the, the title of this episode actually is. But it's more about the casualisation of the workplace. Uh, it's happening in America and we're worried it will be happening here. And to be honest, when we think about it, Keith, it is really happening here. There is a huge amount of casualisation, casual jobs going. Um, and then plumber jobs, for example, not being taken up. And you'd think that it's a trade with a growing population is a safe area to get into these days. I would have thought so. Obviously, if you talk to plumbers, they'll tell you they're always on the lookout. What We have wrecked the technical and further education system in Australia. It used to be provided by a network of organisations called TAFE, and which were government-controlled, part of the state education system. Then they, then they moved into the privatisation of education. You ended up with a lot of shonky providers coming in. I think a lot of parents are saying, well, how do I know the kid who enrolls for a course is actually going to get treated well? So that's a self-inflicted wound inflicted by Canberra and the bean counters with their economic philosophy of new right economic rationalism. So what's the direction then we go in, Keith? As a society, how do we stop this happening? Well, it's very difficult to see how it is going to be stopped from happening unless there is greater awareness. I think that what we're seeing now in the United States with the popularity of Senator Sanders amongst the Democratic Party is that there's a growing sense of unease as to where the American economy is going and because they're obviously the one with this very obvious servant class, but we are also heading in that direction. I think that we've got to have within Australia more people who are saying we need to, well, obviously have more plumbing apprentices, more electrical apprentices, something really basic. We've got to revive the technical and further education system and try to drive out some of these shonky providers of, of private education. So there are a number of things that could be done there. I think the other bigger issue which this author touches on is the way in which what he calls there is no room for the friction of intimacy. Very technical <laughs> phrase. Not and quite I, sure what he means by that. <laughs> So friction means, you know, rubbing up against each other. That's what you get in machines. And what he is saying is that we're living in an increasingly isolated world, a world of solitude, alienation, which gives rise to mental health problems. So people sit at home. They're not out in restaurants. They're, they're getting the food delivered to them. So they're not out actually out there mixing. And it adds to their anxiety about the rest of the world. You know, they think they're going to be attacked by terrorists, et cetera, if they go shopping in the high street. And so, in a sense, we're actually contributing to the mental health issues. also a physical problem because if there is what's called sedentary disease syndrome. In other words, that if people sit around all day, they're killing themselves. They really ought to be getting up and moving around. It's interesting. Some of the broadcasting studios I go to now 
there are no chairs. You and I are sitting here on comfortable chairs, but you actually have to stand to broadcast. So you're on your feet for three hours at a time if you're broadcasting on ABC radio. So what he's saying is that there's a long-term issue here that we're employing people to just deliver services for us. We're not going out there and mixing very much. We are uh, losing this friction of intimacy. So I'm on my social media all the time. I need to get a, a meal, so I then get a meal drawn in. There's no real contact with the with the driver. I just, you know, exchange some digits on a screen and that's it. The driver's gone who's delivered the food. So we're, we're leading into a society where people are much more solitary. They are alienated from each other and it may also be showing up now in our mental health statistics. If you think about it, we should not have mental health problems in this country except for those that may be induced genetically. But socially... Or work as a result of work that they've had result pressures. But instead we've got people who are obviously under pressure from social media. Um, they're addicted to social media. I speak as someone who's not on any social media whatsoever. So you've got people who are addicted to social media. They're worried about whether people are writing about them or not writing about them on Facebook or whatever sitting at home, getting the food delivered to them. And so it makes them for a more difficult uh, situation, I think, for some people. I'd encourage people to put their mobile phones in a drawer and go out for a walk and then have a meal at a local restaurant. And this isn't. This actually is a big issue because one in five Australians have a mental health disorder. And um, as you say, there's many causes for it, um, but a lot of it, is these days social pressures or lack of, you know, social yep. pressure, but on social media, ironically, yeah, and not engaging with society enough. But, I mean, I guess we can't really comment on that, but you're right. It's it's a huge, huge problem. It is indeed. I think the value of this article by uh, Derek Thompson in The Atlantic called The New Servant Class, very stimulating indeed about how we are changing as a society, not necessarily for the better. Okay, people are getting these very low-paid low-skilled jobs, but I think we should be aiming to um, have more tradespeople. So we, there is, a, as I say, the shortage of tradespeople and also that um, we should get people to make far less uh, use of their social media and just get out and talk to people. So if you're sitting in the office there at the moment and you want to talk to a colleague, don't send them an email, just get up and walk around the corner and speak to them. And it's actually quite confronting when you go on public transport, and you would as well, where everyone gets on their on their phones straight away. Exactly. I was looking out the window today on the train and I was the only person, Keith, the only person. Everyone else was looking down with their headphones on and I can understand why that as well because everything that you need, banking, emails, social media, you can book a holiday on your phone. Like everything is there on your phone. So it makes it really hard to put it down. Yeah, well, I don't do any of that through my phone. No, I, we... I, don't, I don't have trust in the internet system. <laughs> that, I spend too much time with experts on computer hacking to ever want to be using internet banking. Thank know, you. You are a different case though. You don't even have a phone number that we can call you on, a mobile <laughs> phone number. He does everything on, <laughs> on email. Hilarious. So that's what we need to go in that direction. That's right. Yeah. Well, as always, mind-altering conversation, Keith. Thanks very much indeed. Global Truths was presented by Dr Keith Souter and me, Kate Mack. Produced by Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Listener.